Hello and welcome to the Rip City Soccer Moms podcast. I'm your host, J.D. Bricker. As you may notice, as this episode goes along, my former co-host Austin is no longer with me. Not because of any problems or anything like that, just because Austin's graduated, so now it's all me. Something else you'll notice if you've been a long-time listener, all 50 of you, is that this is going to be kind of a different format. We're going to be covering not just Blazer news and not just basketball news, but we're going to be exploring the world of sports a little bit more deep. So with that, let's get underway with what's going on in the world in sports this week. Uh, the first big news story of the week is that Boogie, a.k.a. DeMarcus Cousins, popped his Achilles on Friday at the end of the New Orleans Pelicans-Houston Rockets game. For those of you that don't know, popping your Achilles is a terrible, terrible injury, not just because you missed the season, but also because there's been very few athletes that have ever came back to full strength from it. There's been about 20 players in the NBA that's ever popped an Achilles. And Boogie, unfortunately, did that and has to face the reality that of those 20 that have popped their Achilles, 18 came back. None of them came back to the player that they were. Why that's especially tragic in the case of Boogie is that Boogie was entering free agency. He was staring down the barrel of being a max player. So it's hard to imagine a team giving Boogie a max contract coming off that sort of injury. The main reason for that is, is that we've seen as if you're a Portland fan, you know what happened when we didn't have Brandon Roy. He got injured. He was on a super max. It tore our cap out for years. So you don't want to see that happen to a player from a, a front office standpoint, because now nobody knows what they're going to do with Boogie. You don't know if you want to pay that guy. You don't know if you want to wait and see if new Orleans wants to risk it. Do you pay the guy a max contract? You just don't know. And from the player standpoint, beyond the like tragedy of being injured, which always sucks. There's also the reality of, he went into this season hoping to be able to sign a, a max next offseason, and now that's just off the table. So really, really tragic situation in the NBA for DeMarcus Cousins, and at least for my end, I hope that he feels better and comes back at full strength. One of the other huge sports news stories of the week is the relaunch of the XFL. If you're too young to know what the XFL is, consider yourself lucky. Uh, the first go around the XFL was not great. It was great from a technological standpoint. If you enjoy Skycam when you're watching NFL games, if you enjoy a lot of the like pylon cams, different things like that, the XFL is responsible for that. So on that end, great. On the actual football product end, the XFL was comically bad. So it lasted one season. It was on NBC. Vince McMahon was the owner and chairperson was on screen way too much. There was crossover of WWE and football, and it was just weird and bad, and everything about it didn't work. However, and this is a big however, I watched the entirety of the press conference that Vince McMahon hosted on, I believe it was Thursday, where he talked about launching the XFL, what's going to happen, the rules, everything involved couple of key points one Vince McMahon's no longer going to be the face of the league he's hiring somebody to be the league two there's not going to be individual owners of teams what they're going to do is actually do the MLS model which leads to an advantage if there's a whole bunch of guys that just want to play pro football and it's America there is then you can get those guys for dirt cheap but 
what if in two years a guy like Tom Brady, you pay him $50 million for one year to play in the XFL when he's done with the Patriots, that's a good chunk of change. I don't care who you are. Or you get a, you do what the USFL did with Herschel Walker, where you just back up the Brinks truck and pay a guy and get him to come in. Now, had the USFL never sued the NFL, they probably would still be in existence. And had they also, if they didn't move into the fall and stayed in the spring and stayed in their lane, they would have been still there. But from just a product standpoint, it's exciting to know that there's going to be a league that essentially, if the NFL is smart, they could use as their developmental league. Since the early 2000s, when the NFL Europe closed, there hasn't been a really a, a league designed to develop players. And that's something that needs to happen. When you see guys like Case Keenum, Nick Foles, that were playing in the NFC Championship game against them, these are two guys that two years ago were garbage, but they needed time to develop. Even a guy like Alex Smith, who's now one of the most respected players in the league, is that way because of the fact that he was able to get development. It just took him longer to be the star quarterback that he ended up being. So from that point, great for the USFL. Another couple of things that were announced at the announcement was one, if you have a criminal record, the plan as of right now is that you won't be able to play in the XFL. So that unfortunately disqualifies Johnny football and disqualifies a lot of guys. That might be a marketing genius move though, because if you get, there's a segment of fans that are no longer watching the NFL. And part of the reason is, is that they don't want to watch guys that have criminal records. I get it. There's certain guys in the NFL. I don't care how good they are. Tyreek Hill that I just won't root for them. Tyreek Hill because they're just bad people. Tyreek Hill. So I get that from that standpoint. Then the other part is, is the national anthem. Vince never specifically said that they would be forced to stand, but he said that any player that signs a contract will abide by the rules. While he also talked about that it's important to have the national anthem. And he went into a little bit, but mainly he tried to do his best to stay away from it. The biggest thing that he announced was that players will not be political while playing for their team or while representing their team. He's not saying that when they're on their personal Twitter accounts, he's not saying when they're not on the field that they can't do whatever they want. But what he's saying is, is that the XFL is a place of business and they will conduct themselves as such when they sign a contract. So from that standpoint, I really do think the US or the XFL, sorry, I keep wanting to call it the USFL because at least the USFL lasted more than one season in its original incarnation. But that's, I do think the XFL will be able to, succeed just because of that also happening in this week was the all-star draft for players to play on teams i'd love to give you more information about it but we just didn't get to see it because the nba union is soft and didn't want players embarrassed so they didn't want the guy to be the last pick and the guy that who is the last pick to have to deal with being the last pick so from that standpoint I'm just incredibly embarrassed by the NBA and the NBA players because it's ridiculous. Fans would have watched that. It's essentially a fantasy draft, but in real life. I I also think it's a little funny that Steph Curry drafted his entire his entire team except for Kevin Durant, which 
makes sense then that LeBron would have had to have taken him first. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins, of course, will not be in the All-Star game now, even though he was an All-Star starter. So my guess is that all of Russell Westbrook's bitching and moaning about Paul George will pay off with Paul George getting in. Nothing against Paul George. I honestly think Paul George should have been in the All-Star game anyway over a guy like Draymond Green, who's not having the best season, and even over Russell Westbrook. Paul George outplayed Russell Westbrook this entire season, but we're just not going to talk about that because that would be embarrassing for Russell Westbrook, the guy who wears a shirt to an arena with holes in it and then claims that his child ripped his sweatshirt enough that his underboob was showing. Great, great thinker there. But I do think the All-Star game will be maybe a little bit more fun. I'm not really sure. The All-Star game's usually crap. Like, all All-Star games are crap. All-Star Saturday night's usually a fun time. Three-point contest is, in my opinion, better than dunk contest because dunk contest is most of the time full of players that aren't good. Not good at dunk. Like, they're great at dunking, but, like, let's be honest. These guys aren't the players that we want to watch in the NBA anymore. That time of the dunk contest is unfortunately passed. Speaking of the NBA, though, and also the NFL, uh, last piece of news for this week in sports before we get to our centerpiece of what this episode's going to be dealing with. Um, If you haven't got a chance to watch Brandon Marshall going off on the New England Patriots on Inside the NFL on Showtime, do yourself a favor and watch that portion of the interview. Brandon Marshall's entire argument is that the Patriots are incredibly damaging for the NFL and that players should be embarrassed and everybody should be embarrassed about the fact that parody just does not exist in the NFL. And when you look at it and you realize how many Super Bowls and how many AFC championships the Patriots have played in, Marshall brings up a good point. The NFL wants to argue that the league has parody. And in in some ways it does. There's always new teams coming into the playoffs. There's always new teams going out of the playoffs. Like there, there is some room for movement. We'll call it in the NFL, but, and this is the big, but the same team seem to win championships. The same team seem to play for championships and new England always is right there. Even on their worst year with Belichick, in New England, they were 11 and 5 and didn't make the playoffs. Now, either that division in the AFC is terrible, which, you know, let's be real, it is. The AFC East is garbage. When you get to play the Bills and the Jets twice, so four games every year you should win, and the Dolphins are every once in a while they're good, and most of the time they suck. So, like, that's six wins a year. That's pretty easy. But it's hard for me to gather, fathom, let's go with fathom. I think that's the right word on this one. It's hard for me to fathom that New England is that much better. Like I know Bill Belichick's a great coach and I know that they're an absolutely amazing team, but it's hard for me to fathom that they're that much better and that the NFL hasn't figured out a way to deal with that. And I'm not saying implement rules. I'm not really putting forward any kind of solution. Like Tom Brady's Tom Brady. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But it's hard to think that all this time there hasn't been another team that's gotten it figured out. 
And then you look at the NBA, like we, we see the ratings decline in the NFL and people want to say that like, oh, it's because of this and that. Well, what if we put forward the theory that it, it's not because of anything big? It's just because the product's not as good. It's just not as entertaining to watch and know that the same couple of teams are always going to be playing for a championship. Which brings us to the NBA. The NBA is the number one sport in America right now. I don't care what the Super Bowl ratings say. I just look at the NBA and they're successful. And they're becoming a global product. And they already are in some aspects. But at what point is Golden State going to be just bad for the sport? Are we already there? Is it already not fun when we know that Golden State... And it looked like we everybody thought it was going to be Golden State and Cleveland again in the finals. Well, Cleveland's kind of falling apart at the seams. But Golden State has four of the top 25 players in the NBA right now. Two of the top 10. Three top 15 players. When they play an 11-man rotation, you're saying that over one-third of your team is the best at their positions or one of the best at the posi- at their positions in the NBA. That's insane. And okay, let's let's play out this season. Golden State wins another championship. We go into next season. Golden State's really good again. Golden State wins another championship or their contention for another championship. At what point do fans just stop giving a crap? It's not fun for Blazers fans right now. We have one of the most exciting players we've had in our franchise history. And you sit there and you go, you know what? Ah, shit, like we're not going to win. There's nothing we can do at the trade deadline. There's nothing we can do that makes us a team that can compete with Golden State right now. It's just a matter of fact. And that sucks. Like, I find myself right now pulling for the Houston Rockets, which just so they can be somebody other than Golden State. And, like, I've watched less NBA this year than I've watched in the last five years. And it's just because I'm having less fun watching the league knowing that Golden State is going to win. And I'm wondering if there is no parity in these leagues. If that eventually hurts the sports. Both the NFL and NBA. Like, I'm not a soccer fan. I think I think the MLS is garbage. Like, that's just my opinion. But they do do some things right. And one of the things that seems to be really great is there's parity in that league. So your team always has a chance to win a championship. And that's just difficult when you think about the fact that there's not another team out there. So before we move on to the centerpiece of today's episode, I want to give a listener's discretion advised warning because we're going to be talking about some adult content and I don't want anybody to be listening to this that a has children around and or b will be offended by kind of some strong opinions directed at some specific people. Um everything is available for fact checked if you need anything that I'm going to be said, if you want to contact me at ripcitysoccermoms at gmail.com. Once again, that's ripcitysoccermoms at gmail.com. I'd be willing to send you any article that I reference and we can have a conversation about that. All right. So the 
piece of this article of this podcast, the centerpiece, if you will, of this podcast is going to be talking about uh, the Larry Nasser case, which leads into what I'm actually really angry about, which would be the NCAA. Um, henceforth, after uh, we will no longer refer to Larry Nasser by name, we will only refer to him as either scumbag or pedophile. Uh, so if that offends you, then stop listening. Um, so scumbag, as most of you have known, had to sit through six days of over 160 girls, women now, some still girls because they're under 18, <laughs> recounting the damage that he did to them when he sexually molested them in his role as a doctor. Now, first of all, Barstool Sports, in a great article, raised the question of, is Larry Nasser having to sit and listen to six days of 160 women and survivors telling him the damage they did and basically giving him a giant middle finger the greatest use of the American justice system ever? I'm hard pressed to argue that. Like, I honestly would agree with that. I think that that's something that when we have these things, we should do more often make the victims have the opportunity to rip these people apart. So, um, if you haven't been following it, pedophile worked at Michigan state on their campus as a sports doctor. This is key. Michigan state as of right now, and we're recording this on January 27th, 2018, uh, has still not turned over documents to the federal government when they're investigating this. They dragged their feet on turning over any of their internal investigations to the government or to police to prosecute pedophile. Um, a week ago, they gave in just some, just, I don't even know the words for it, asinine exercise of stupidity decided to give the president of their university a vote of confidence. She's now gone. She quit, just, just so we know, because she had accusations brought to her attention in the scumbag pedophile case, and she kind of ignored them. If we're being honest, she did not do her job as an educator to protect the victims in this case. The athletic director at Michigan State is also out. Board of Trustees members are now getting terminated as well. That's great. Fine. Whatever. Everybody give Michigan State a golf clap because they decided to pretend like they gave a shit. But Michigan State's actions point, in this case, point to a much bigger problem that I want to explore. And that's the NCAA as its whole. Scumbag pedophile Larry Nasser wasn't the first scumbag pedophile. There's Jerry Sandusky. I'm sure there's other ones. But the NCAA, and just absolutely incredible, and I want to reference this article by name so that you guys can come go find it because this author did an incredible job for the Atlantic. Nicole Arbach wrote an article that came out on Friday the 26th 
entitled NCAA President Mark Emeritt, was alerted to Michigan State sexual assault reports in 2010. If you, read this, if you go through and read this article, Mark Emeritt, the head dodo of the dodo bird clan of the NCAA, decided to not do anything when he was alerted to 37 sexual assaults by players and coaches at Michigan State in 2010. He did nothing. Didn't launch an investigation. Didn't punish Michigan State. Literally did nothing. He just didn't give a shit. And that that's the problem with the NCAA right now. Is the NCAA just doesn't give a shit. If we're being really, really honest with everything, all the cards on the table, the NCAA has specific schools that for whatever reason they won't do anything to. A great example of that is North Carolina. North Carolina invented a fake major. Now, African studies is not a fake major for everywhere, but at North Carolina, it was a fake major so that they could get athletes eligible and they could get athletes degrees in order for them to play a stupid game. I'm the biggest sports fan in the world. This entire podcast is about sports. But it's a damn game. It's not an educate like education should not come before that. And for, especially for a university like North Carolina that was new, known for their academics. Well, North Carolina essentially gave a middle finger to the NCAA and said, well, this is academic, so you have no, no right to punish us. If I'm the NCAA, I'd have punished them anyways. I wouldn't have cared. I would have kicked their asses out of the NCAA. There are certain schools that should not be playing college athletics right now because they've lost the privilege due to their actions. Let's do a quick rundown of the list, shall we? North Carolina. Kick them out of the NCAA. I don't care how good they are at basketball. I don't care how good they are at anything else. If you're inventing a fake major, you don't deserve to play. have your teams in athletics anymore in the NCAA. If the NCAA is doing the job that they're supposed to do. If they're doing the job of protecting college athletics and protecting college athletes and making sure their education comes first. That's not what they're doing. But in an ideal world, if that's what they're doing, this is what we do. Kick their asses out. North Carolina, you're gone. Penn State, unfortunately for some, the Jerry Sandusky stuff should have got Penn State football removed permanently. That stain's never going away. And I know that sucks for the players and it, it sucks for their coaching staff and for their fans. And like, I don't envy them. But Penn State football should not be functioning anymore. It just shouldn't. If the NCAA was actually doing their job, there wouldn't be a Penn State football team anymore. Baylor. Let's talk about Baylor. I'm just going to do a quick highlight reel of Baylor's screw-ups of the last 20 years. Let's, let's call it 20 years, because that's right around the time that Baylor allowed boys and girls to start dancing together. Yes, Baylor. Well, in the early 2000s, one of their basketball players was murdered by a recruit and another member of the team helped cover it up. And then their coach besmirched the murdered player's name to try and cover up portions of the murder. 
if that's not enough, we go through the just incredible amount of sexual assaults that were committed by Baylor players and staff members that the NCAA still hasn't figured out a way to drop the ban hammer on Baylor in any way, shape or form. And yeah, that's that. I mean, you go over to which brings us back to Michigan state, both Baylor and Michigan state, they should kill all of their programs, burn them to the ground and salt the earth. So nothing ever grows there again. Michigan state, let a guy, and this just, this just blows my mind. Michigan State let a guy molest little girls on their campus for years. Even when things would be brought to their attention, they let it happen. If we're being, if we're going to give them the vi- the benefit of the doubt, and let's be devil's advocate here for a second, sure. Like, P.S., letting that happen, still really, really shitty. But it, it it's something I, like, you can almost understand because it's they just don't want to deal with it. But A.S., what are you doing? And for those of you that don't know, P.S. is pre-Sandusky. A.S. is after Sandusky. In a world after that pervert pedophile Jerry Sandusky was discovered and brought to trial and punished, and I hope he burns in hell, and he's having the worst time in prison. How do you let it continue? Even from like beyond the basic humanity of, hey, let's not let little girls be molested by a piece of shit. Beyond that, how as an organization... Do you risk that? How do you not investigate that more? And then when everything's going to hell in a handbasket to double down and try and protect themselves. What is Michigan State doing? What are we doing as sports fans? First thing that I'd encourage all sports fans to do is call for Mark Emmerich's head. I'm sorry. If you were alerted to 37 sexual assaults. Screw you, man. You don't deserve to be in charge of anything. Like, he was a jackass before, but this is now a jackass that helped cover up sexual assaults. And let let that sit in your head for a second. This is a guy that covered up what athletic, the role athletics had in sexual assaults. One is too many. One rape is one rape too many. Here are 37 rapes that they had evidence for that these girls didn't want charges pressed, which is in their, which is their right. I would encourage anybody to press charges, but at the end of the day, that's their business. Let them have their business. They just didn't want to have to deal with the people on their field or in the classroom anymore. Can they just able to at least get that part right? So you have Mark Emmerich, who has been the president of the NCAA during the Jerry Sandusky case, during the in, the UNC academics fraud case. You have him being the president during the Michigan State multiple sexual assaults. And this guy's done nothing. Nothing of value. Instead, he got a hard-on and decided to attack the University of Miami because, yes, the University of Miami was doing dumb things too, but the University of Miami... 
had one rogue booster, and that rogue booster went to jail. And instead of punishing the University of Miami within the realms of what's allowed to be punishable, they decided to step outside of the law and break the law in order to punish somebody themselves. Let that sit in your head. Mark Emmerich was in charge of an organization that broke the law to try and prove somebody was breaking rules. I don't mean to get fired up. I don't mean to get mad. Apologize to my mom for swearing. But this is just the real reality. I don't know the answers for everything. I know Mark Emmerich should not be employed come Monday. That's a start. I know Michigan State should not be participating in athletics this next year. That is a start. And I know that there's nothing I can say that will ever do anything to help those 168 survivors. But I will say this. At the bare minimum, Michigan State, maybe don't bill the girl who was sexually assaulted on your campus by the doctor you employed after there had already been rumors of him being a pedophile. Maybe don't send her a bill. Maybe that's what we can start with. So after we get the... I got to get the taste out of my mouth on that one. Um, Traditionally, after our main segment, we would go into kind of a breakdown of it a little bit, talk about some more lighthearted stuff, including at the corner of Roger and Goodell. But at any time you talk about Larry Nasser and Jerry Sandusky, I just feel like you got to go take a shower. So on that end, I'm going to let you guys end with, how I'm going to end every episode from now on. I know I used to do what was pissing me off in the sports world, and that's fun and great, but part of what makes sports great are the portions of sports that we can't we can't put a number on. We can't describe them besides they're just special. And one of the things that happened in sports this last week was that the Philadelphia Eagles qualified for the Super Bowl. Now, I was pulling for the Vikings. I'm not going to make any bones about that. But I just want to highlight really quickly one player on the Philadelphia Eagles, Chris Long. Uh, Chris Long in September, when all of the protests in the NFL were happening and everything was kind of going to hell in a handbasket, decided he was going to donate his first six games of paychecks to set up a scholarship fund in his hometown. So kids would have access to education because Chris Long, just like, I also agree with this opinion that education is one of the greatest tools that we have in helping people in that college isn't for everybody, but trade schools, there's ways for kids to get educated that would move them out of poverty. And we have to encourage that. So Chris Long set up a scholarship fund. But then he decided to go beyond that. And instead of stopping at six games, he gave his entire paycheck for this NFL year after those six games to set up literacy programs in Boston, St. Louis, and Philadelphia, the three cities that he's played in as a player. 
And I know what you're thinking. He's a millionaire and he has the money to do that. But at the end of the day, this man is playing an incredibly dangerous sport that will take its toll on his body physically for nothing to try and help people have a better life. To make sure every kid has the ability to read. To make sure that from his hometown, that kids have the ability to go to college or to his trade school. And he's doing that not because anybody asked him to do that, just because it's the right thing to do. That he wanted to make sure that everywhere that he played, he left a legacy that is good. Now, I don't know how familiar all of you guys are with the Long family, how he is the dad, but the Long family has always showed a level of class and respect that I think is solely missing from a lot of athletes now. That's just my opinion. I know it's a hot take. I know that'll piss some people off, but I just think that if we had more guys like Chris Long that were out there helping and instead of whining and complaining about stuff they don't like, just doing it, doing something to change, we can all do that. Another great player that did that is Ndamukong Sue. I know everybody hates Ndamukong Sue. He's a jackass on the field, let's be real. But Ndamukong Sue set up a program where he is paying 100% of the tuition for a kid to go from the school that he played at in high school to Nebraska to be an engineer. Every year. Think about that. There's all these kids that are going to get an educational opportunity to go to one of the best engineering schools in the country because a guy played a sport and decided to give back. I mean, we talk about how bad the NCAA is. We talk about all these serious stuff, but we also have to realize that sports gives us that. It gives us the ability to connect with people. It gives us the ability to make a difference. And I just, I want to highlight the athletes to do that. So to Chris Long, I say thank you. Thank you for being courageous enough to step out, give your entire salary to make it so kids can read. I think that's a, that's, that is a hill worth dying on. So thank you, Chris. I hope you win another Super Bowl. I don't know if that's enough to say thank you for taking that step. But you know what? Here at the Rip City Soccer Moms, we're going to say that. We're going to pull for the Eagles to win because guys like you deserve it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Rip City Soccer Moms. Um, I encourage you to keep checking in. We're going to have new content. We're going to have a really great interview sometime this season. Uh, and stay tuned for a really cool opening that's coming soon. Thanks. Thanks.